What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed. Man, that intro music always gets me excited. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Not only because, as we usually say, not only is Aaron Rodgers my quarterback, but now I can say uh, Dalvin Cook is my running back after months and months of him and hawing and speculation. Finally, the deal got done, Justin. That it did. The Jets have, I think, arguably the best running back room in the NFL. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll talk plenty of Dalvin Cook. We'll talk all about the Jets' offensive line struggles. What might they be able to do to fix it? Because it's a problem right now. We're going to recap what happened with the Panthers game. So, guys, stock up, stock down. Preview a little bit of Jets-Bucks. We got it all on tap today. But first, Mike, you got something to tell us. You bet you're behind, I do. It's from our friends over at DraftKings. So, Jet fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you could receive 150 big ones, 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Just make an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Doesn't even matter if your first wager wins or loses. You'll still get the $150 in bonus bets. All you got to do is use the code FSBETS. That is F-S-B-E-T-S when you sign up. That's also a good way to support the show. So if you want to do it that way or you want to do it via leaving a review on Apple on the podcast thing, those are all ways to support the show. We're very thankful for that. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, use our code F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and, and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for full terms of the offer. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are all over there. We are on YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. We got tons of good stuff for you over there, including the whole back catalog of all the shows way back to when Mike LaFleur was still the offensive coordinator. That's how far back we're going. It's all on there on YouTube, but... Let's not dwell on the past. Let us dive headfirst into the future. Let us talk about our brand new Jets running back, Dalvin Cook, who 
it seemed like things were heading this way for a while. And after seemed like a month of going back and forth and debating the merits and the pros and cons, Dalvin Cook's finally a New York Jet, a one-year deal that could exceed $8 million of certain incentives are reached, which I think value-wise, people are going to – I think if you think this is an overpay or not, people are just going to kind of revert to if they thought Dalvin Cook was a good signing in the first place anyway. Like if you like Dalvin Cook, you're going to go $8.6 million is nothing. And if you didn't like Dalvin Cook, you're going, why do we spend $8 million on another running back? So – Personally, for me, as somebody who's advocated for the Dalvin Cook signing from a football perspective, especially after the DeAndre Hopkins fiasco where the Jets didn't even really consider him, I looked at him as probably the best offensive playmaker the Jets could have added in this situation, and they did it. So Brees Hall is finally back from injury off the PUP list. He appears to be close to as ready to go as he's going to get. It seems like a week one return is, I think, probable at this point. Cook's going to be there. Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight and Izzy Abanacanda, who all had some good moments in the preseason, especially Abanacanda scoring in both the Carolina game and the Cleveland game. Not the best news for them, but you know what? I'm not going to go and make offensive roster decisions in a year that's supposed to be a Super Bowl year or a potential Super Bowl year based on if I think Zonovan Knight's going to be upset or if I think Michael Carter is going to have his productivity diminish. And we could also debate the merits of, as we did on countless shows before this, about how much of Cook's stats are a little bit of a misnomer, how much he's really fallen off. Is it really worth paying a running back at this point? But when you get a chance to sign a guy who's the only guy in the league to have 1,100 rushing yards in each of the last four seasons, all of which have been Pro Bowl seasons, all of which he's contributed to some pretty good Vikings teams, so he's not just putting up these numbers in a vacuum, I feel like you had to do it. Now, would I prefer maybe a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins earlier in the season? I think definitely. But in the middle of August, there's not just a ton of ready-made championship difference makers floating out in the miasma of free agency. They just don't exist. The best one available right now is Dalvin Cook. So now they got him. They got Brees Hall. They got a coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who loves to run the ball and loves to use two different running backs. We've seen that all over, especially in Green Bay. I feel like this is the best they could have done with the hand they were dealt. Yeah, you know, me and you have had differing viewpoints on Dalvin Cook for pretty much this entire saga, whatever you want to call it. It's weird. I hate even using the term like saga for a backup running back because that's what he is, but it, at least for the Jets. Um, but look, I want to make it clear first because I got a lot of shit on Twitter for for being outspoken, not even like super outspoken against it, just saying that this isn't like my favorite move that they've ever made, right? And that's like, oh, you, you are so negative all the time. You're the worst. Like, you know how Twitter works, right? Yep. I think the Jets got better as a team. I think they upgraded their roster. They upgraded our, at RB2. Dalvin Cook is a better player than Michael Carter, and he's a better player than Zonovan Knight. I don't think that is should be debated. I don't – even me, who is a, a Dalvin Cook critic, is not going to argue that. I think that the Jets improved their roster, which when you can improve your roster on August 14th, 15th, whatever it was they signed him, that's a good thing. That's never a bad thing. There are other – Things that I would have rather have done with $7 million because they're giving him $7 million base, and then I believe it's $1.6 million in incentives. There are other ways that I would have preferred the Jets spend that money, um, such as, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Some of them realistic, some of them not. In the not camp, in the not realistic camp, would have loved if they went out and signed DeAndre Hopkins early in the offseason, as you mentioned. I think that would have provided a much bigger upgrade to the team. It would have moved the needle a lot more than Dalvin Cook does at this stage. Uh, I would have definitely preferred that. I would have preferred they, they use that money to sign a linebacker. I would have preferred they use that money to sign a better QB, too, because 
I don't trust Zach Wilson as QB two. I know the Jets are and do, and they are they are they were never going to change that. Um, but that is true. Brian in chat does point out he has not officially signed his contract as of the time of recording. Um, but I think you know he was literally at practice today. He's going to sign. Um, but there are other ways I would have spent that money. You could also say, hey, it's never a bad thing to have $7 million extra in money or extra in cap space when you are approaching the deadline. Because the Jets, I have a feeling, are going to be very active at the deadline this year in, in trying to make an upgrade, whether it's to add a receiver. Like, I mean, Devontae Adams is obviously a pipe dream, but that's somebody that potentially in a dream scenario could be available. Maybe it's an offensive lineman, whatever it is. I would have preferred to not spend $7 million on an aging backup running back. That being said, Dalvin Cook is still a good player who can provide value to the Jets. They upgraded their roster. The concerns with him I've expressed many times in the past. His uh, Every analytic, every metric says that he's falling off and that last season was not a very good season for him, despite his raw total uh, of 1,100 yards, whatever it was. Uh, his 4.4 yards per carry was significantly down from previous years. And honestly, I think the yards per carry is, a, it, well, obviously it's a very misleading stat because it doesn't really take into account um, big plays and splash plays, which that is what Dalvin Cook is known for. Um, he's definitely a home run hitter, which is a good thing. You want to have that in this offense, especially if Breesaw is not 100% early in the year. He offers something that I don't think Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight can offer in that regard. Um, but it also, I feel like it's a metric that is, like what is considered a good yards per carry has changed a lot over the years. 4.4 yards per carry would be really good. Like eight, nine years ago, it's about league average now. Um, I'm pretty sure. So that's, it's not as like as good as I think a lot of fans would think on top of that, the Vikings did again, by every metric have a very solid run blocking unit Their Their offensive line was, was graded out. In, I mean, PFF, I think graded them third, which that's pretty high for me, but I'm uh, pretty sure ESPN had them ranked high as a run blocking team too. So I think, just given his situation, he probably should have been better. I think watching his tape, uh, he doesn't look nearly as explosive, at least consistently explosive, as he has in the past. I know Michael Nania of Jets X Factor had a great thread kind of breaking everything down. Um, he's also in the camp of like, hey, Dalvin Cook is is not the player he used to be. But that's fine. The Jets don't need him to be the player he used to be. They need him to be RB2. I have a gripe with how much they paid for him. I don't think he's worth $7 million, but at the same time, the Jets upgraded their roster, and I'd rather spend the money some way if they're going to spend it at all because I don't care about cap rollover. You know, rollover. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. That's, they got a small Super Bowl window, so they improved their roster. I'm happy about that. It is definitely not my favorite move, but I am happy and content that the Jets upgraded their team in August. That is my final statement on it. Don't give me any more shit, please. <laughs> Like, isn't this kind of what, because I know there was that whole don't pay running backs. Isn't that, isn't this what you want? Like two backs kind of on lesser contracts, tag team, and to make this kind of one, two punch here. I feel like that's a better way to use cook, especially because in the last couple of years, you can see like his yards per game and all that. It kind of tails off near the end of the year. Yes. And I think you could put that down to just physically getting beat up a little bit because he was also a big receiver for the Vikings and he had at least 283 uh, touches in each of the last uh, four seasons. And the year that he only had 283 was because he only played 13 games. That's a lot. Injury. So, and, he's, and he missed games before that too. So I think this is honestly a good way to kind of get the most out of Dalvin Cook because you're preserving him. You're not going to give him 20 touches a game. I think maybe, Brees Hall is obviously going to be the main guy, but Cook's probably going to get out of maybe six, seven carries a game, maybe three or four catches a game. I think that's about what they're going to expect out of Dalvin Cook. Maybe like close to around a nine or ten carries a game if you want to get really in the pro Cook camp. But that, that's a good use of eight million dollars for this 
this point right now, especially if you get home run hitter cook. I don't know if you'll get home run hitter cook every single game because of age and attrition, but he's still there. He still made big plays with the Vikings. I still think there's a huge downgrade between him and Alexander Madison. That's why I was confused. Minnesota got rid of him in the first place. And also too, this is just not necessarily you specifically, but some of the other anti cook guys are looking at this saying, well, you know, internally the jets have Michael Carter and a band of cannons on the night. Like I like some of those guys too, but, you can't get too high on your own supply. You can't keep overvaluing some of your own guys. Dalvin Cook was the best skill position player still available. And if the Jets let him go to, I know New England's not Ezekiel Elliott, but if you went to, I don't know, New England or Miami or Buffalo or, I don't know, maybe the Chiefs if they find a way to get some extra money out there. And then the Jets' rationale is, well, we wanted to make sure that Zonovan Knight was a solid RB3 and we wanted to give Michael Carter another chance to prove himself. I mean, they would get laughed out of the room if that happened. Like. Zonovan Knight, too. I, I got to stop hearing about the Zonovan Knight thing. If you take away his longest run, he had 3.0 yards per carry last year. Like, let's let's pump the brakes on Zonovan Knight a little bit. Abanacand, I like, but again, the Jets have even pretty much said that they don't really think he's going to be day one getting running back snaps. I think probably Carter's ahead of him now, and Abanacand is probably going to be a kick returner or something like that in his first year with the Jets. And then Michael Carter, nice guy. Are you? Do you think he's going to be as good as he was in his rookie year? Because last year he was terrible. Every metric shows he was terrible. Like, that's a big gamble to put on your guys. Dalvin Cook is a way to safeguard against that. And and, and you know what? Brees Hall is going to be the workhorse. I like Brees Hall, too. I played five games. We didn't even know if Brees Hall is going to be particularly good. We got five games of him. Any running back could be really good for five games. You, you needed one more piece. Mm-hmm. And I know that Cook is not a perfect player, but for what the Jets could have had, like on that market, because there's really nobody else out there even really close to Cook. If they wanted to add a running back, this is the best they could have done. I want to get to a comment here from Brian in chat. Uh, He says, what does, legitimately, what does Cook add to the roster that wasn't already there? And this is, okay, so this is going to be me and a generally anti-Cook person. I'm going to answer this question because I do think he provides something that the Jets didn't have. One, I do think he's an upgrade just overall as a player, over Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight. I think he's a better player. He's a better RB2. He gives them a a reliable veteran that they can rely on early in the season. I'm I'm glad you brought up the point earlier that I know Michael Nani has been way on the strain as well. Uh, uh, Dalvin Cook is a lot more productive and efficient early in seasons. And that's really when the Jets are going to need Dalvin Cook to be at his best. And especially when Brees Hall is not at his, at his, you know, he's not 100%. If they don't think he's going to be fully ready for an entire workload early in the season, you want someone that can match his explosiveness. Michael Carter, even though he looked good in that first preseason game, or the, the second one, I should say, the first one he played, um, he doesn't give you that. Even if it's Michael Carter from his rookie season, that's not his game. He's not going to give you that that explosiveness, at least not on par with Brees Hall and and even what Dalvin Cook can do at this stage. And Zonovan Knight isn't going to do that either. Is he a band of can, but I just a band of can is very funny. I, I <laughs> say that five times fast. A band of can to can. That's so now funny. say Irish um, wristwatch five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he can do that. I, I kind of view Ivanakanda in a similar way of like a of a poor man's Dalvin Cook right now with a little less power. I think he's got the explosiveness, but the consistency is just not there from him. He's also, I believe, had some fumble and drop issues in practice. I don't think the Jets trust him to play a prominent role early on, which is fine. Um, 
I, I just now I definitely don't think he is a very good chance. He's a healthy scratch if unless he's playing special teams, uh, which whatever fifth round pick, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but I think that Reese or, or Dalvin Cook gives you something that Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight can't. And it's that home run ability, that explosiveness. He also gives you a guy that you can rely on early in the season to provide that for you because Brees Hall is, is not going to be given that full workload. So I think that's what they're really looking for with Dalvin Cook. Again, I don't think he's worth $7 million. I think that that is, I mean, it's an overpay. Overpaying in middle in the middle of August is not as big of a deal as overpaying in March because there's only limited cap space. You know, there's, there's limited moves you can make at this stage. Um, but I still think it's an overpay. That said, they did upgrade their roster. I do think Dalvin Cook provides something that the other running backs on the team don't. Um, and that's that's why that's why I'm okay with the move. And I don't dislike the move. I just think it was not the best value deal. I'll also say though, the one thing that does worry about worry me, well, another thing that worries me about Cook is that he has had drop issues. He has also had fumble issues and he's not been very good in pass protection. Now he's been dealing with a shoulder injury. That very well could have played a role, honestly, in all three of those, specifically the blocking. He has supposedly gotten that fixed. I would love to see if his blocking can improve now because that's been an issue for him. Uh, and I don't really trust any of the running backs in a Jets roster in pass protection at this stage, which given the state of the offensive line, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in a moment, that's not good. So I would, I would if Dalvin Cook can actually provide value as a pass catcher and as a pass blocker, I think this is an even better signing. I think I will be even more on board with him. But right now, I see him kind of just as the – He's the fill-in for Brees Hall's explosiveness in the meantime. I don't think he's going to be super consistent, but he still has that home run ability, at least he did last year. So I think that's what he provides. And you know what? This gives the Jets to look at him and go, you know what? It's a one-year deal, almost like a prove-it deal. Maybe, mm-hmm. just maybe, he kind of sticks to this role. The Jets end up making a little bit of a run. And they go, you know what? Why not give him a second season? I don't feel like that's a that's out of the realm of possibility. I still I I think he's got more left in the tank. I think that... Once you see a high-profile name get cut like this, like even people are saying this with Hopkins as a receiver, like I, I think the instant reaction is, oh, the other team knows something we don't, and he's cooked. And that might be true sometimes. He, he's, he's cooked? He's I, cooked. I know what I said. I'm choosing not to acknowledge it. <laughs> Dalvin is not cooked. Dalvin, in fact, will cook, I oh. think, if he gets in a really good kind of groove with the Jets early on. He kind of takes to Nathaniel Hackett's system. Uh, Adam and Chad, I think, doing our jobs for us and having a good transition to the next segment where he says it doesn't really matter who the running back is if the O-line is awful. Let's pray Beckton stays healthy. And you are right about that offensive line thing. Even as someone who, me personally, I've been kind of pumping the brakes on the offensive line because I thought that the the offensive line discourse last year was kind of nasty because it was mostly around Zach Wilson where Zach Wilson, every bad thing he ever done was because, oh, the offensive line is not good. And he did not have an amazing offensive line, but it was – serviceable like you could win games with the offensive line the Jets had last year fully healthy it wasn't amazing but it wasn't the source of every single problem that they had uh this year I think they were expecting a lot of internal improvement Lincoln Tomlinson was retained Elijah Vera Tucker coming back Max Mitchell in year two Makai Becton is healthy again Dwayne Brown they think will finally be fully healthy and Joe Tipman comes in finally they're a more collected collectively good unit a more cohesive unit None of that has really seemed to happen so far. I think it's been the weakest unit of all the Jets so far in the first two uh, preseason games against the Browns and the Panthers. And then Robert Sala on Hard Knocks last night, reading the riot act to, to him, coming in with all piss and vinegar and basically questioning their effort and basically saying, we could have Aaron Rodgers, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. We could have all these skill pieces. We could have Dalvin Cook. 
And none of it's going to matter if the offensive line keeps getting pushed around. And it's hard to really find fault in that, even if you don't agree with the message or how kind of aggressive it was, which he deserved to be aggressive there. I mean, this is a kind of a scary scenario. Like the offensive line is not good right now. I think it's fair to say. And what's scary about it is there is no Dalvin Cook out there. You can't just there's no guy who's gonna you can just trade for or sign a, a veteran who can immediately change the shape of this offensive line. That guy just doesn't exist. It's not out there. So it has to be all internal improvement if they want to get better soon. And then so so you'd think after that that the offensive line would be motivated and here we go and we're gonna come out and punch everybody in the mouth. Then they go practice with the Buccaneers, which by the way, separate tangent. You notice there's been a ton of across the league, a lot more fights. In these joint practice, I feel like every joint practice has some sort of fight, including the Jets today. Tony Oden, uh, Tony Oden got got hurt today. The Jets DB coach, he got yeah. hurt he in a fight. He got sent to the hospital. Yeah, what's what's going on? What's going on there? So anyway, in that practice, after the the skirmish ended, Aaron Rodgers, I believe, dropped back seven times, and he would have gotten sacked four times, and his other three were just quick little dump off completions. And th- this kind of highlights. Two issues that I want to dive into with Justin. One of which I think we got to bring up is the whole Mackay Becton thing because the overall, like a lot of the offensive line's performance collectively, I'm not, you, you can write off as well Elijah Vera Tucker wasn't in and Lakin Tomlinson wasn't in and a bunch of backups, kind of a, you know, all over the place kind of jigsaw offensive line. And I could believe that, but when, when, or I could wrap my head around that. What I can't wrap my head around is how the Jets are using Mackay Becton. Even as someone who's been a little bit critical of Mackay Becton and has had doubts about his ability to hold down a starting spot and has had doubts about his ability to stay healthy, I mean, it doesn't even really seem like they're even trying to ramp him up to a starting role. I mean, he's been all left tackle. He's been all behind Dwayne Brown on the depth chart and then Billy Turner in practice. Uh, and then he, you go into the games, he's not getting a ton of playing time, no right tackle stuff. And now Robert Salas says, oh, we're going to switch him over to right tackle. It's like, where was this beforehand? You, you know, teach a guy a whole new position two weeks, three weeks before the season starts. It, it's very puzzling to me. So I want to get Justin's thoughts on the whole Becton thing and how that's contributing to the offensive line as a whole, because it just seems like both, both parties are operating in the state of complete chaos right now. A healthy Makai Becton is one of the five best offensive linemen on this team. And I don't think you can make an argument against that. Uh, and if the Jets are dead set on, as they've said this entire summer, even dating back to the spring, if they're set on playing their best five, that should include Mekhi Becton in some situation. Now, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. There's a lot more at play here. And I'll play devil's advocate for a second, and I'll, I'll speak from the Jets' perspective and why what they're doing with Becton. They don't want to give Becton any first-team reps. This is what Salah said specifically today. They don't want to give him any first-team reps until they believe he can play in a full game. They clearly do not believe that yet. They don't believe that his knee is ready to play in a full game. I imagine that's the exact same reason they've been hesitant to play him at right tackle because they know, one, that he doesn't want to play right tackle. Even if he's going to be willing to do it, he won't be happy doing it. He's he said earlier in the offseason that he's willing to do it, but he won't be happy. They also give a rat's behind what makes him happy at this point. We need a, our best line on the field. They also know that literally back a few months ago, three months ago, back in May, he or April, I think it was in May, directly blamed the fact that he played right tackle last year on his injury, right? That was at least part of the blame for it. So they know all of that. And they're like, they're looking at it and like, well, we want to get this guy on the field, but we don't know if his knee can hold up at left tackle. We don't we don't want to put him at right tackle because we're concerned about about if he can, if he can, if we're, if we're, if we're concerned about him holding up at left tackle. Why would we play him at a position that he's not comfortable at and that clearly was more stressful on that leg? 
So I think that was their perspective. However, it has come to a point where they realize they do not have a choice because, and I, and I don't speak this negatively about players very often. I don't like to be blunt, like this blunt about stuff, but Max Mitchell and Billy Turner stink. That, like was, that was the other thing I wanted to get into you about. Yeah. Like they're just, they're just not good enough. And maybe, maybe Mitchell can be good enough in the future. I don't know. Billy Turner has an entire track record of what, eight years in the NFL of proving that he's not good enough. The guy's a fine fringe, fringe starter. He's a fine uh, swing tackle. That's what he is. He's not a starting caliber right tackle. Max Mitchell last year showed a little bit of promise. He was a developmental guy that they kind of thrust into the spotlight. He was okay. He's been really bad this summer. He's been worse than Turner, I think. They've both been really bad. Neither of those guys should be on the field week one. I don't think you can I don't think you could justify having a 39-year-old quarterback that you invested your entire offseason into. This is the guy you're building your team around. You cannot justify throwing Max Mitchell or Billy Turner at right tackle come week one. You can't do it at this stage. Well, then here's the problem I have with that is the way they're handling the Becton thing, either one of two things is happening. Either they were completely surprised that Becton was not physically able to ramp things up, which is concerning in and of itself because that means they really have no idea what Makai Becton is going to provide, and you're just completely guessing. So that's option one, which is a bad look. Option two, they knew this and still decided that Max Mitchell and Billy Turner would be a solid tag team duo for the tackle spot and they've completely misjudged the market on both horribly so mitchell's more surprising because i i actually kind of liked what he did i know he had that whole medical scare with the whole blood clot thing i mean good that he's past that but like like turner i knew was just that he's just an npc like billy turner is a complete npc was no bearing on winning football he's just a guy like the the mitchell thing i don't know if it i don't know if they thought that like he was really going to take a step forward or what? I mean, he just looks horrendous right now. And mm-hmm. I and I put some of the blame for that on the Jets because it doesn't seem like they're really developing him. I know part of that too is he may not just have the talent, but also like I saw something last year and they just did not expand on that at all. Yeah, I, I think it's a case of the latter. I think that they believe that the duo of Mackay or of, of Max Mitchell and Billy Turner would be serviceable right tackle, and they're not. That's I believe that that's what they believe. They saw Billy Turner who started what. 60 games in his career. He started a lot. He has started a lot with Green Bay. He started with Denver last year. And a huge contract. Well, it wasn't. With with Green Bay. With Green Bay originally. Oh, Green Bay. It would be like a game changer. Yeah, yeah. He has. And he has a lot of starting experience. And more importantly, he has a lot of experience with Nathaniel Hackett. Nobody in the NFL has spent more time with Nathaniel Hackett over the last four years than Billy Turner. He followed him from Green Bay to Denver. Now he's followed him to the Jets. No other player in the NFL has done that. So I think it was partially Hackett's influence and in saying, hey, this guy can do it. They, the Jets are big character guys. They love Billy Turner as a locker room guy. They love him as a character guy. He's great friends with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett loves him. That's, right, let's go I think, swing Kumbaya after Aaron Rodgers gets right. sacked six times. I like, think that is a big reason why they brought him in. And they believed and hoped that Max Mitchell could potentially take a step. So I, I don't think they ever expected Mikai Becton to play right tackle. We did at a certain point early in the offseason. I know that was my assumption, was that, okay, it's going to be Dwayne Brown and Mikai Becton. That was like, or at least the hopeful assumption, at least Mikai Becton being in the mix. Right now, he's not a legit threat to start. I know they're going to give him right uh, snaps at right tackle, hopefully starting tomorrow. I'm very glad they're doing that because – Clearly, it's time, uh, but I don't think the Jets see him as a legit threat to start at this time. That could very easily change in two weeks. Joe Tippman was not a legit threat to start two weeks ago. Now the dude might start week one. I don't even know if he's going to start at center. He might start a, start a guard for all I know. Um, but with 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 that, I just 
you can't have you can't have Max Mitchell out there. You can't have Billy Turner out there. They're not good enough. Another guy you can't out there have out there is Wes Schweitzer. I don't want to see him starting week one. Those three guys are not good I enough. I want to see him on the 53. Forget starting week one. And he's fine. Like backup all linemen suck in general. Just and then no offense. Like I, I hate saying players suck. They're infinitely better than me. But they're just around the NFL, the caliber of backup offensive lineman is not very good. Wes Schweitzer is a fine backup offensive lineman. He is a Dan Feeney. He is a guy who could play center and a guard. He's not going to do it very well, but he can do it and is okay to start in a pinch. That's all he is. Billy Turner is a fringe uh, like swing tackle. Max Mitchell is somebody you want to develop into a potential starting right tackle in the future. He's not there. That's what they have. Those guys can't start, which brings me to what I want. And I said this on Twitter. We talked about it briefly before the show. What I think and what I want a re- like the Jets offensive line to look like week one. This is realistic. This is a realistic uh, uh, scenario. I would say Dwayne Brown, left tackle. He's healthy. Right. That's He's healthy. You play him a left tackle. Lakin Tomlinson, obviously left guard. Connor McGovern at center. The Jets want a veteran under center. McGovern is not bad. He's over, he is underrated by Jets fans. He's not the best center in the world, but he's a fine starter. Right guard, I'm playing Joe Tittman, and I'm moving right tackle. I'm moving Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle. That's what I think the best starting five the Jets can have right now is. Obviously, Becton is a wild card. I would love for him to come out and kick ass at right tackle. I have zero clue how, how well he's going to play at right tackle because we've really never seen him there. And I also don't know how well his knee is going to hold up, if he could even play a game right now. So I cannot realistically put him in the conversation to start at right tackle. And the Jets don't want to move Eric Tucker to right tackle. But the fact that Salah was asked about it last week and they didn't deny that that's a possibility makes me think it's going to happen sooner or later because – they see Max Mitchell and Billy Turner getting abused every single practice. It's bad. It's a problem. Those guys can't start. The only solution that I can see, unless you want to go out and sign someone like Dalton Reisner, who is fine. He's a start, starting caliber guard. You probably still have to move Veritak to right tackle, but at least you can get him in there if you don't want to start Tittman. Or if they can make somehow make a move for like a David Bakhtiari, which that I don't think that happens. Also, that would present another issue because who plays right tackle? Um, but I, I think realistically with what we have, that is your best case starting five. Uh, Mike, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm just looking at the free agent like tackles out there. There's really barely anybody. A Jawan James who's been hurt a bunch. Marcus Cannon who pretty much should retire. I mean, does that inspire any confidence in you? Oh, here we go. Uh, Eric Fisher, who I think is retired but is still listed as active. Yeah, uh, Taylor Juan, another guy who's, I believe, also retired. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Jason Peters, who's 76 years old. That won't help. <laughs> his jersey like, number is not as high as his age. Exactly. Like, that That might be what they have to do. And I know they don't want to move Vera Tucker around, but, I mean, it's he's kind of becoming almost like a Bruce Matthews kind of guy. Now, he's not going to be as good as Bruce Matthews. I don't want to hear anything. He's not that. I know, I know. I'm making a the point here. The versatility. The versatility. He could play guard. He could play tackle. He could play either tackle spot because he flipped around at USC. Like I think that's that was part of his appeal when they drafted him was that he could slot in at so many different spots. Yep. So I mean, now this is what you got to use it for, and I and I, and I don't think in a year again we you got to keep reemphasizing they should be competing for a Super Bowl this year. They're yep. not going to do anything that could jeopardize or impact their prospects in a negative way. Because they go, well, I don't know if developmentally Elijah Vera Tucker might be more of a guard two years down the road. Like They can't think like that. If they are thinking like that, they shouldn't. They, they, you got to think just in the moment, pragmatically, what can we do to not have Aaron Rodgers get sawed in half by Vaughn Miller? And that might be what they have to do. they got to put Vera Tucker on there, let him cook. This also gives an avenue for your second-round pick, your top 50 pick in Tittman, to get some 
early reps without disrupting McGovern. And then maybe next year you draft a tackle and move Vera Tucker back to guard and then tip him to center. And then everybody's, everybody's singing Kumbaya and it's sunshine and rainbows. But for right now, this is how you got to weather the storm. Yeah. And you cannot go in, especially if you looked at the defensive lines they're playing early on. Buffalo obviously is going to be loaded. Micah Parsons against Billy Turner. You want to see that week two? Uh, Micah Parsons, Billy Turner. Uh, week yeah. three, they play Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Then they go play that loaded Eagles defensive line with Jalen Carter and Brandon, all these Jordan Davis and all these great young linemen. You can't go in with, hey, I'm Billy Turner. I'm a guy who's been cut three times in the last year. <laughs> You're being meaner about Billy Turner than I was. So I don't feel as bad. Well, it, it's because it's <laughs> I, I feel misled because when I feel like when Billy Turner was signed, that's what he was kind of billed as is like, you know, a depth piece who knows the offense. And if you need him to like gun to your head, like your family's in a bunker somewhere, unless Billy Turner can move around to different positions, he could do it. He might not do it very well, but he could do it. That's how I was sold on Billy Turner. And now I'm getting is he's going to be the week one right tackle and was also playing left tackle. It's like, Get your priorities in order, man. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. In order. You're, you're not wrong. And I, I'm glad you brought up Tittman because I want to get to a comment here from, from Adam in chat. Adam on YouTube, he said, what do you think about them bouncing Tittman around? Um, and he also, in a follow-up comment, said, seems smarter to keep them at center and let them learn. I think what you said, Mike, is right on the nose. I don't think the Jets are really concerned about development at this point. I think their biggest concern is getting their best offensive lineman on the field. Uh, by all accounts, when they drafted Joe Tittman, even though it seemed like at the time everyone was like, oh, he could be a, a week one starter, step in, plug and you know, plug and play guy. I don't think the Jets saw him that way. I think they saw him as a bit more of a developmental guy coming from a very different scheme in Wisconsin, and they wanted a veteran center to work with Rodgers. And there's nothing wrong with that idea. No, there's not. There's not. I, just, I mean, we've talked about like, oh, maybe you shouldn't spend both of your top picks in a Super Bowl or bust year on developmental guys, but that's another conversation. Either way, Joe Tittman has very clearly worked his way into the starting conversation because the dude was taking exclusively third team reps for most of the summer up until last week. And he was being impressed in both pre in both preseason games so much so that as of, I believe it was yesterday, Tuesday's practice, uh, he received first-team reps at center. And now Robert Sala said he's going to be splitting reps with McGovern at center. So it sounds like there's a chance he starts week one even at center. But even if he's not at center, it is very important and it is very it, it's significant, as Adam pointed out, that they're trying him at guard. That same day he worked with the first-team offense at center, he worked with a third-team offense at right guard. Today, in today's practice against the against the Bucks, Lakin Tomlinson was out, so they put Tittman, or Tittman as the first-team left guard. So they've now played him at all three interior line spots in the last two days. The versatility is very important. He's someone who did not play guard in college, but a lot of people projected him into the NFL to be able to play guard. He definitely has the athleticism for it. He's an excellent athlete. Uh, he moves very well in open space. I'd like to see him at guard. And if the Jets are confident with him there and comfortable at with him at that position, why not play him at guard? And that gives you an opportunity to move Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle and not have to worry about West Schweitzer starting because that's who would start right now unless they trust Hitman. That's who would start at right guard if they move Vera Tucker. And I know everyone wants to get Billy Turner and Max Mitchell out of the starting lineup, but replacing him with West Schweitzer isn't much better. Um, I know people will bring up, you know, they can move Connor McGovern to guard because McGovern actually does have experience at guard. He's played guard at an NFL level before with the Broncos, but it does seem like, like again, like I said before, they want a veteran to work with Rodgers. They want a veteran center. And if they don't trust Titman, that's fine. 
I like the fact that they're moving him at guard. I know it might be ideal to keep a young offensive lineman at one position, but I like the fact that they're they're testing his versatility and finding ways to get their best offensive lineman on the field because come week one, they're going to need that because I don't want to see Billy Turner on the field. I don't want to see Max Mitchell out there. I don't want to see Wes Schweitzer. And if that takes moving Tipman to guard, I'm all for it. But why is versatility? Why is that being viewed as a bad thing? It's four games. He's not going to just play an even number across however many years. Like this is a this is a short term fix, and that's wanting to prove your value as a young player in this league is versatility. I don't see why they're viewing it as like, oh, if he plays a month as the guard until we think Makai Becton's ready or something like that, that's going to completely screw up his developmental timeline. Like, I, I think that's a bit extreme. The yeah. extreme of a concern for Jets fans who were all doom and gloom about this offense for some reason, even though we have Aaron Rodgers and there's still a lot of doom and gloom on the timeline generally. Can you guys get over it a little bit, please? Uh-oh. Please, please. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think we can wrap it up. On, I'm going to wrap it up on a positive note. I'm going to say it is August 16th. The Jets still have 26 days, I believe, to figure this out. They have 26 days to figure it out. Today's practice was rough, but they were down probably their three best offensive linemen. No, no unit in the NFL is going to do well in a practice. Like no offensive line unit is going to do well in, in in a summer practice down their three to their top three offensive linemen. Not to mention that the other guys in the unit have just been flip flopping and getting thrown at different positions all summer. Tippman was playing guard. He hasn't played guard most of the summer. Um, uh, obviously, I mean, you had McGovern out there. You had Schweitzer out there. Who again? You don't want him starting. You have I would say three of the five offensive linemen out there today. I don't want anywhere near a field to come week one. And that's Turner, Mitchell, and Schweitzer. So I think the panic button isn't like you don't need to press the panic button yet. There's reason to be concerned. I'm concerned. I'm a little worried, obviously, given what we just talked about. But I wouldn't press the panic button yet. I want to see Dwayne Brown out there. I want to see the the offensive line fully healthy. And if they still suck, then I'll be a little concerned. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. As we transition, let's do a little bit of both looking back and looking forward because the Jets just finished the preseason game in dominant fashion. About as dominant as you could hope for in the preseason. A 27 to nothing demolition of Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers and Young's first extended action. And then uh, obviously they're going to go take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week or this week, rather. So when I looked at that game, because I was excited to see Bryce Young too, just selfishly about what he could do. I almost couldn't evaluate Bryce Young because the guy was running for his life back there because this defensive line, I mean, I don't want to hype it up too much. I mean, there are some D.O.G. dogs on this defensive line. I also felt like just looking at Twitter, this may have been the game that kind of clued everybody nationally into what the Jets sort of have in this unit. And obviously it's 
they were playing some backups. It's a rookie quarterback in his first action. Maybe the calls weren't perfect. Maybe he was holding on to the ball. There was some of that. But Carolina early on, too, played a lot of their starters for a couple series. Ike McQuanu looked like a guy who had never played football before. And that was a guy some of you some of you wanted over Sauce Gardner. And Mo McDonald and Jermaine Johnson both had their way with him. Bryce Huff was playing really well. Quentin Jefferson got a sack against a good line playing a lot of their stars. I think Bradley Bozeman played there. Taylor Moten played some. Like the, the Panthers were trying, and they got their butts kicked by the Jets' defensive line, which is seven, eight deep right now, and they are all coming really hard. So I know that this is not that not necessarily going to translate to regular season success just because they played well in a preseason game against Carolina. But, man, that is about as good as a performance you could hope for because – especially from Will McDonald, too. I'm going to keep harping on him because I, I saw how many of you guys out there did not like that pick. And what do you know, if you take his snaps and his pressure rate, it comes out to about 24%, which would have topped Bryce Huff and led the league if you extrapolate that out to a full season. That spin move, I mean, it's look, it looks like Dwight Freeney out there with that spin move. He's just spinning by guys. He's showing pursuit. Jermaine Johnson, too, looking a lot leaner, a lot stronger, a lot more confident as a pass rusher. This defensive line is going to be tons of fun if they keep this up. I'll raise you because I've also seen people say the Jets are seven, eight deep. They are 10 deep at defensive linemen. There are going to be 10 defensive linemen on this roster, and all 10 of them are damn good players. That's including like Solomon Thomas in that because the Jets just like they just bleed really good defensive linemen. It's system. funny that the number three overall pick is like the worst guy in a 10-man line. I know. And the, they are. And he absolutely smoked Bryce Young in, in, that, in, the, in the preseason game, in that game. I mean, the Jets, they picked Bruce Hector up off the street three days before that game or whatever. And he, and he finished his, I mean, take PFF grades for what they're worth, but he finished the highest grading player in the game on either team. He was dominant. He had that, of course, that, that strip sack and recovery. Like they're just they're so 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 deep at defensive line, which we knew that we already knew that going into that game. That didn't but not really this play. deep and this skilled. Yeah, I mean because you're you're right. The Panthers they started the majority of their starting offensive line. Iki Aquano, who is a good player, a good young player, looked completely lost. I'm pretty sure. Again, take PFF grades for what they're worth. He had like I think it was a 10.8 pass block grade. Okay, that's which, harsh. Like what? Did he get like a minus 30 on one play or something? It's one of the like it's one of the worst grades I've ever seen for an offensive lineman. I didn't even game. know he could go that low. Yeah, I mean it, it's it was I don't know if I've ever seen below a 10 for any grade. Um, but it was bad. Like Cam Irving. I mean Cam Irving is bad. Cam Irving is there. Billy Turner. Cam no Irving offense. got knocked backwards on a spin move. Yep. Because Jermaine, dude, Jermaine Johnson did a spin move and a bull rush at the same time. That was nuts. Uh, so, but yeah, this defensive line is so deep. We already knew it. I don't even know if it's stock up because, like, they already are. Like, their stock was already so high. But now, like you said, I think national recognition. I think people are finally clued in on just how deep this Jets defensive line is. Um, Real quick, before you go to to change the topic from defensive sure. line, one thing I wanted that I kind of crystallized is. You know, certain coaches just know certain positions or don't know certain positions. Yeah, like, you know, Bill Belichick can't draft wide receivers. Yeah, like Robert Sala and Joe Dunn—they know for sure how to scout defensive line, what good defensive line play looks like, what good pass rush play looks like, what guys have, have traits that are going to project well to the NFL. Like they have got that locked down, and I think right now I, they could—they're going to keep adding to that. I think eventually, I think they're going to obviously bring in probably another defensive lineman next year. Like. For, for a while, any defensive line guy they bring in, I'm just going to go defer to these guys at this point because they have shown they know what the hell they're doing, 
in that particular area. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, Salah knows his D lineman. He's known it since since San Francisco. He's known it even before then. Um, so it's it's hard to to deny any defensive line move he makes. I want to do another stock up because uh, honestly, it was a 27 to nothing game. There's not a ton of stock downs. Uh, although we can combine this one. Other than Max Mitchell and, and Turner. <laughs> Mitchell, Mitchell. I, honestly, I don't even think Billy Turner was that bad in the game. I thought he played all right. Max Mitchell was bad. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, Max Mitchell was even worse than 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 Billy Turner this summer because, like, he, he, in the preseason against second and third stringers, he's really struggling. Like, it's not just against, like, Shaq Barrett in practice. He's just been bad. But I want to go to the running backs because, obviously, there's a lot of talk with Dalvin Cook being brought in that there is going to be an odd man out. Either Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight, they're gone. One of them is likely, very likely, assuming that that Cook is ready for week one and Brees Hall is ready for week one, which all indications say they will be. One of them will be traded or cut. And I think going into the game, I'd almost say Zonovan Knight had the edge. He had just looked better than Michael Carter for most of the summer, even if Carter had been working ahead of him. But that game, I think it did a lot to help Michael Carter out. And it specifically hurt Knight, too, because – of the three top Jets running backs that played in that game, we know we're not going to talk like Travis Dye, of the Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight, and Izzy Abanacanda, Knight looked the worst. Knight definitely had the least explosive plays. Um, he just he, he wasn't as good as the others. Michael Carter looked like rookie year Michael Carter. And I know he's not going to play a huge role now that Dalvin Cook is in, is in the fold, but he still could play a role. And I think if he can get close, you know, get back to close to what he was as a rookie, that's huge for the Jets offense and, and huge for this team because that's just more running back depth. Uh, and especially with, with you know, Cook has had his shoulder issues in the past. Obviously, Hall has come back from the knee injury. You can never have too much depth there. Uh, I think now at this stage, I'd give the edge to Michael Carter making the team over Zonovan Knight. I know Carter probably has more trade value, and it also it could come down it could come down to special teams uh, because I don't think Carter has played special teams much, if at all, in his NFL career. Um, but in that game, if we're just basing it off of that one game, Michael Carter outplayed Zonovan Knight, and I think he has the edge right now if we're talking about roster battles. I would say, I don't know if he necessarily has an edge. I think he is more valuable. And I bring that word up because I think that what probably is going to happen in my estimation, my perfect world in GM, Michael Luciano of the New York Jets, I think Carter could be a probably more of an enticing trade candidate. I agree. I think he plays way into maybe the Jets get like a five or a six or something like that for Michael Carter. And then you roll with Hall and Cook as the one, two, probably a Banikand as your three. And then Knight's like a game day inactive sort of guy i think that might be what i would do and honestly if carter kind of knows that like good for putting some good film on tape because other teams are going to see this i don't think he's totally bereft of value i know that he was awful last year but i think he just for me i think look like he bolted up and he just kind of lost some sort of electricness like he looks a little more svelte now a little bit more creative as a runner so even if he's not with the jets like some team is going to take a chance on him and i think he's going to be on some team's 53-man roster when week one comes around. So even if it's not with the Jets, good for him for putting some good film on tape. And also shout out Izzy Abanacanda for scoring again. Yep. Another long run, that spin move that got all the way down to the one. Like He reminds me of kind of like a store brand Dalvin and that they're both like yeah. bigger than you think they are running back-wise. Like Abanacanda is like 215, but he runs he runs like a guy who's like 190. Like he has no great contact balance. But man, when he hits a hole, he is gone. And it's nice to see that he's really starting to get a little bit more comfortable and he's already finding the end zone. I, I agree. I, I think I made that comparison before too, so you're stealing it from me. Uh, oh, oh no, plagiarism. 
<laughs> but I, I agree. I think that's a really good comparison for where Izzy is at this stage of his career. The consistency isn't there yet, but he obviously has all the talent in the world. The dude is explosive as hell. He's 20 years old, you know? So I think he he's still got a couple of years to hopefully grow. I know running backs, you know, they, they age early, but I think he's still got a couple of years, you know, at least another year to, to grow into the role that Jets want him to. Uh, another guy I want to give a shout out to, because I really don't have any more stock downs besides Mitchell and uh, Zonovan Knight. Shout out to Zaire Barnes, who I think played out of his mind in that game. I thought he played really, really, really well. Uh, not only because it's really difficult to evaluate linebacker play just by watching the broadcast cam, but the, not only was the dude flying around making tackles, he was stout in coverage. I thought he just played a really solid game. And I think in that first game, that Hall of Fame game, he was kind of up and down. He had he had some some you know typical rookie linebacker issues, but Zaire Barnes was really, really good in that game. I mean, the entire defense was, uh, but Zaire Barnes specifically stood out to me. I know he, he led the Jets in tackles, which doesn't always mean something, um, but he played really, really well. I know PFF's coverage stats, he allowed five catches for 14 yards. Wow. Like that's, that's impressive. I know people look at five catches or whatever. Most of those were check downs in the flats. There's, you're not going to be able to stop them. So he was just and making not getting past them when they get the ball. Vice grip. Exactly. Exactly. That was the key right there. Uh, it was just basically just run and chase. And that's, that's what he was doing. The Jets love his athleticism. I'm not sure he's going to be able to beat out Jamie and Sherwood for that third linebacker spot. It does seem like Sherwood is probably the likely guy there, but I thought Zaire Barnes played very well in that game. And I am excited to see what he does now. I like Chaz Surratt as well. Uh, and unfortunately he hasn't played since that first preseason game, which sucks because I've really been hoping that, that he can make the team, but Barnes playing well, isn't necessarily great for for Surabi. Not that Barnes is going to get cut, probably. But uh, anyway, shout out to Tyre Barnes because he played very well. And with that, we'll take a little bit of a quick detour to check out uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are certainly not in the Tom Brady contending era anymore. There you are. Whoa, whoa, Mike. I think you're forgetting something. That I had something to say. I think you're forgetting that. Oh, yes, you're right. (laughs) You're right. And it's from our good friends over at DraftKings. I had to stop you. I'm sorry. Uh, so yes, before, before we figure out what the hell is going on in the whole Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask uh, boondoggle going over there in Tampa Bay, yep. I'll defer to Justin. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, but first, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off like that. I, I, <laughs> all good. All good. I had to. Anyway, hey, Jets fans, you guys signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps, as Mike was telling us before. Create an account, deposit, and then wager $5 in any sport. The best part is, whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. Using our code FSBETS not only gets you the bonus, but it also helps support the podcast. If you guys want to help us out, it is much appreciated. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code FSBETS. If you're watching on YouTube, it should be on the screen. That is F. S-B-E-T-S, to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the, check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. I'm going to get that last part down, and I'm going to be able to like, blaze like, really quickly through it in the future. But anyway, go back to what you were saying. Sorry. Now, now we can finally resume the Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield boondoggle discussion. Love That's one of my top five favorite words. I love I never i've heard of the boondocks is that the no, same thing that is not even <laughs> not even kind of close a boondoggle is like a project that takes a long time and doesn't really produce any effort or any value so well, that's what, what is the- going on in tampa bay as they try to figure out because it's weird because tampa's kind of they haven't said they're tanking 
But then their quarterback battles Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. But they're in a weak division, but they might want Caleb Williams or Drake May. Todd Bowles is still there. Really hard to get a read on him. But either way, they're going to end up taking on the Jets. And you know what? They've done a pretty good job of asserting themselves against the Jets because they've practiced pretty well. And they overwhelmed the offense a little bit. So don't take them lightly, especially in the preseason. Uh, if, if there's one guy I want to watch in this game, it's going to be Zach Wilson because I've had a hard time kind of figuring out what to make of Zach Wilson. He didn't really throw as much as I would have liked to see in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, he had that nice deep throw to Malik Taylor, but we've seen Zach Wilson do that before. And then against Carolina, I liked how he played, you know, very quick, very basic, get the ball out, a lot of dump offs, a lot of shorter stuff, which he didn't always hit. And now he's hitting the shorter stuff. So that's good to see, but it's not really running a full playbook. I'm not seeing really the full arsenal of throws that I know Zach Wilson can make and that they'll probably ask their starting quarterback to make at some point. So I think in this game, which is, you know, I think it's probably the dress rehearsal game. I know Rodgers isn't going to play, but I think they're going to give Wilson probably the longest leash he's going to get. I want to see them just open up the playbook a little bit. Let him rip it. Let him see what he's comfortable with. Really test him because I want to see how far he's gotten because, I mean, Anybody can drop back, take a look at the check down, and throw that. That's that's simple stuff. I mean, it's good that he's doing that now after not being able to do it last year for points, but it's it's an easy task for an NFL quarterback. And I think that if he could just show against Tampa Bay that the arm is still there, the playmaking, which can be frustrating, but I mean, we've seen him make good plays out of structure before. It's happened in the past. It's not an aberration. If that's still there, I'd be a little more encouraged about Wilson as my backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Wilson overall looked good in the second preseason game against the Panthers. I think he looked pretty confident out there. I mean, it, there's not much to take away from the Hall of Fame game, as you mentioned, because I think he, he threw four passes or whatever it was. It was like three uh, of six or something. Like it was, yeah. was two of four. And then one of them was the the deep pass to Malik Taylor. And then one I know one of the incompletions was uh like kind of airmailed a pass or maybe he threw it away, whatever. But either way, I thought he looked good in the Panthers game. I think I thought he took what the defense was giving him. Uh and that's really all you can ask right now. I just want him to be a capable QB2. That's all I want him to be. He doesn't need to be Zach Wilson franchise QB. No one is asking for that. I want him to be a capable player. Uh fair to look fair to look at that. I'm gonna be looking at the offensive line. Like that's that's what I'm gonna be looking at. I have no idea who's gonna be playing. I don't know if Tomlinson's gonna play. I don't know if Eric Tucker's gonna play. I don't think Dwayne Brown is playing, but whoever is out there, whether it's Connor McGovern, Joe Tittman, Mikai Becton, I want to see Mikai Becton at right tackle. I definitely want to see that in a game. I want and to see, I want see him play most of the game. Yes. I want to see him whether it's a left tackle, right tackle. I want to see him play the majority of that game. Uh, because that's that's what the Jets want to see. The Jets need to see um that progress from him. They already said the today that they don't want him. They didn't want to give him first team reps until they prove he proves he could play in a full game. So here's your opportunity this Saturday against the uh, against the Bucks to prove that. Um, again, I just I really just want to see the offensive line. It's fun. I was looking at the uh, the the depth chart, and there is I, I always look for like former Jets that the Jets might be playing. There is one guy that I've noted who is probably was very likely going to play in this game. Do you know who that is? That the, there's a former on Jet? Tampa on Tampa. We're gonna do like a just the get the guess the jet thing here. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't know he was with them. Actually, I want to. I want to see defense. When they, no, it's offense. But he. Offense. I don't think. I don't think you know he's with them because I didn't know he was with them. Is it a tight with, end? He, he was with the Rams last year. 
the Rams last year. I I'm, he's never played a game for the Jets. I'm just gonna tell you. Okay, then how does that how does that count? <laughs> I I should have made cheating. that cheating. You're not gonna get it. It's John Walford, preseason legend, and and uh, Wall Street legend, John Walford, Arizona hot shots of the AFF legend. He is, he is their John third string quarterback. So whatever we don't see of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, it's gonna be John Walford. And I just how was I supposed to possibly yeah. get that correct? <laughs> you aren't gonna get that. I don't that know why. I don't know why I had you guessing. You weren't going to get that. I didn't know he was on. The, I didn't know he was on the Bucks because he's been with the Rams. Uh, but he is their third string quarterback. Well, that's so that how I honest. found out. Which means that is very likely setting up a Tim Boyle, John Walford uh, fourth quarter preseason clash, which I can't wait. I got to say. Oh, I mean, it's just going to be like <laughs> Marino versus Elway. They're just going to be chucking bombs. Brady Manning, man, this is going to be That'd the be, best. Oh, before the show, it's going to be like Hagler Hearns, where they're just wailing on each other nonstop with punches. Sure. Sure. <laughs> a, a very obscure boxing reference. Very obscure. That was like the biggest fight of the year for like five years. I'm not a boxing guy. I don't know, man. I know. Uh, I know Ch- I'm Chad will back me up on this. If you say Hagler Hearns, people know what you're talking about. I know Ali. I know Holyfield. I know, I know, I know the classic Sugar Ray Robinson. Like I know those guys. All right. All right. Well, go, go look that up. It's on YouTube. Al Michaels is calling it and it is. Oh, that's fun. It is awesome. So now that we've gone into 80s boxing references, I think it's time to call time on this episode of the Jet Press Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are on all those platforms and YouTube, the Jet Press, TikTok, the Jet Press. Go and give us a follow there. Take us home, Justin. Absolutely. And again, the DraftKings code is right there. It's FSBets. If you want to use that, please, that would very much help us out. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, as Mike just said, check us out on YouTube, TikTok, TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do at this point. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.